Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to CoastalOaksChurch.org. Now grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. And I invite you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. If you're new here, just to share with you why we're in this study on experiencing God. After Hurricane Harvey, uh, God has led us as a church just to kind of step back and reevaluate. God led me through my study to go back to some truths that we learned years ago. And it's a, a study our small groups are doing called Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. We're walking through that in our small groups, and we're preaching through that on Sunday mornings. We've looked at the life of Moses and how God called him and to be involved with him in his work. We've looked at the life of Naaman and how he had to respond and make major adjustments. We saw Paul's life. And now we're going to look at the life of, of uh, Abraham and Isaac in Genesis chapter 22 and see how Abraham came to know God by experience as he went through this test And God showed himself to be his provider. Chapter 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning saddled his donkey and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac and he split wood for a burnt offering and he set it out to go to the place set out to go to the place God had told him about and on the third day verse 4 Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance and Abraham said to his young men stay here with the donkey the boy and I will go over there to worship then we will come back to you And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. And he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, verse 8, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood, and he bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But... I love that in verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket. By its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. 
So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, My, by myself I have sworn, this is the Lord's declaration, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your offspring will all possess the gates of their enemies and all the nations of earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command. And Abraham went back to his young men and they got up and went together to Beersheba and Abraham settled in Beersheba. Every time I read this story, I just say, wow. There are probably 10 really good sermons that I could share with you, and that's just the 10 I think about as I go through this passage, but we're gonna just focus on one and look at this from the angle of how Abraham came to know God by experience as his provider. So I have six points today, I believe, right? Let's try this. Number one, these truths apply to us today like they did to Abraham. God is constantly developing our character. God is constantly developing our character. He was in the process of developing Abraham's character all the way up into this encounter in this test because he had called Abraham to be the father of the nation. Look at this with me in chapter 12. Go all the way back to the call of Abraham to underscore this first point so I can see, share with you how far Abraham has come. The Lord said to Abram, go out from the land your relatives in your father's house, to the land I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and the, you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's God's call to Abram. Here's what I'm gonna do through you, Abram. Fast forward, he goes through and experiences his attempt to try to, to make that happen on his own. And, and Ishmael was born in that family as, as uh, Abram shares his handmaid, or as Hagar is shared with Abram by Sarah. And, and Ishmael's born and he's, he's cast out. And now we have Isaac is born, the promised heir to this promised blessing that God gives Abram. God was working in his life from that moment on to this passage in chapter 22. All these years, as an old man having this son, 100 years old, to have this son Isaac, God's promised future. And then God says, Abram, I'm still working in you, I'm still working on you, and I wanna do something significant in your life through you. The promise he made to him in chapter 12, there was an opportunity in chapter 22 for Abram to back up, to say, no, God, I'm not gonna follow you, I'm not gonna obey you, I'm not gonna fulfill that, but he didn't. God is constantly developing our character. You might be like uh, my uh, brother-in-law. He told his dad when he was a little boy, they were doing something really difficult, and he said, son, you need to do it. It builds character. And he said, dad, I've got enough character. I don't need any more. Can you relate to that? It's like sometimes you want to say, God, I've had enough. I've had enough of your shaping and your molding and your directing in my life. We've looked at Romans 12 that it says, where, where Paul says, we're not to be conformed to this world, but we'd, we're to be transformed. In chapter 8 of Romans, 28, 29, as the Bible says, God uses all things for those who love him, those who are called according to his purpose, for the good. And then he says he wants those of us who are called according to his purpose to be conformed to the image or the likeness of his son. God is shaping us. He is conforming us. He is developing us into the, the person he wants us to be, just like like he did with Abraham. God is using every circumstance of your life to shape you into the person he wants you to become. He is building character. 
And look around and you say, well, he's building some characters. I know that. But he's building character, all right? He was doing it with Abram, Abraham. So let's look at second truth in this passage. God will often put our faith as he's developing character, as he's building us and shaping us into the likeness of his son. God will often put our faith and obedience to the test. He puts us to the test. And how do I know that? Look at verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and called him to go and offer his son. This is clear, that, and as, as the, the author writes this passage for us to relive this event, it's significant that in verse one he says, this is a test. God never intended for Abraham to slay his son. God is saying, Abraham, I'm gonna test you to see if you're willing to do this. And God often does that with us. He calls us out and he says, I'm gonna test you. God puts him to the test of obedience and faith. And by the way, the enemy throws things our way, trials, temptations to break us. God sends things our way as tests in order to make us, to approve us. Here's what God wants to say. He wants to say, well done. He wants to say, I'm glad you stood faithful. And I've, I've taken you through this, Abraham. I've taken you through this, Coastal Oaks. I've taken you through this, Rockport Fulton. So you can see on the other side that you've stood faithful. You've been faithful. And he can say, well done. I was thinking about um, obedience and is praying through this passage and I thought about Ananias in the New Testament when Saul the persecutor of Christians it's Acts chapter 9 he's persecuting Christians he was the arch enemy of Christianity he was the Osama bin Laden he was the terrorist terrorizing Christians God appears uh, to, to Ananias in a dream and says hey Ananias that terrorist guy he knows me now he belongs to me now. He's a believer, and I want you to take him, I want you to baptize him and include him into your fold. And Ananias is thinking, really? Him? That guy? Saul, the persecutor? And in essence, God says, yes, I've changed him. I met him on the road to Damascus. He's a changed man. And Ananias was obedient. He accepted Saul, and he became Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, who penned most of our New Testament. And I thought about Ananias right at that place where God is testing him. Ananias, are you going to trust me that I'm working in this guy's life? Are you going to trust me that I can change him so that I, you can be involved in that? God says that to us all the time. Well, there's some folks that we like to write off, aren't there? That person could never. That person would never accomplish. That person will never be. God could never. Oh, yes, he can. He will. He wants to. And God may come to us, and come to us like he did Ananias. And say, I'm going to test you. Will you trust me in this? God will often put our faith and obedience to the test. I love the story about Robert Cheesebro. He, he took the, the residue on drill pipe and that, that grease and took it and formed what is, we came to know as Vaseline. And as he was marketing it, he wanted to prove its healing properties. So he would burn himself and cut himself and rub that Vaseline in the wound so that he could prove to everybody that it was good and, and that it, it, was, uh, it was a good product and so he could market it. And now it's that product that we all know about. But I thought about how he, he wanted to, to prove that, he was, that his product would pass the test. God wants to prove that we will pass the test. He doesn't want to break us. Now he may need to break us to the point where we're broken in that sense, but he doesn't want to ruin us. He wants us to be open and obedient and humble before him. God often puts our faith and obedience to the test like he did Abraham. Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations. It's going to happen through your son Isaac. Now, would you be willing to offer your son Isaac on the altar? Number three, God, God's tests 
will bring us to a crisis of belief. This terminology that Henry Blackaby uses in his study, when when God works, it often leads us to a crisis of belief. Look at verse two. When I love Abraham's response throughout the whole passage, here I am, here I am, here I am. God says, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Look at verse two. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, God is significantly stating to Abraham, Abraham, this is something special I'm asking you to give up. Ishmael's already been sent off, so now Isaac is the only son that Abraham has to be the one that's the heir to the blessing. And he reminds him, Abraham, take that son who's your only one now. He's the only seed. He's the only uh, heir. And I want you, as you love him, to be willing to go to the land of Moriah Abraham had not been there, and offer him as a burnt offering to the one, to one of the mountains I will tell you about. Go all the way back to Abraham's call. God is always saying, Abraham, go. I'll show you when you get there. Go, I'll make it clear to you. And that's what he does here. Go to Moriah, and I'll show you the mountain when you get there. God's test of Abraham brought him to a crisis of belief. Am I willing to trust God as he directs me and leads me to follow him in obedience? That's where Abraham was. Am I willing to say this one thing that's precious, I'm willing to lay it down? As we sang today, and Andy led us in that prayer, reminding us that God may tap us and say that thing, that relationship, that possession, that person, are you willing to let it go, let him go, let her go? And the crisis of belief is, God, I believe you're speaking to me, and I want to obey I think about so many scientists who who just totally won't look at the evidence of of creationism. They won't look at it. I think about Lee Strobel and his own testimony as an atheist that he would not acknowledge the truth about creation and the truth about who God was because he said, if I admit that there's a God, then I'm going to have to change my life and I'm not ready to do that. His own testimony is the reason he hesitated to trust Christ is because he knew if he admitted that there was a God, he would have to turn his life over to him. But wouldn't it be great if every person came to that point? If every person who accepted Christ as Savior would come to that point to realize, if I'm going to trust you, God, I'm going to trust you with everything. I'm going to be all in. We talked about that last week. I'm going to be all in. That crisis of belief is, God, I'm going to believe you are who you say you are, and I'm going to believe you're going to do what you say you're going to do, and I don't understand it, but I'm going to trust you. How many of you would say over the last five months, there's been some stuff in your life you don't understand, but you said, God, I'll trust you. I don't get it, but I trust you. It doesn't make sense, but I trust you. Humanly speaking, why would God, who created me and created my son and called me and then said he's going to make a bless the nations through my son, why would that God tell me to go offer my son as a burnt offering? Doesn't make sense, does it? By the way, this is a unique circumstance. It's clear that God is just testing Abraham. He's not advocating child sacrifice. But can you imagine everything that's going through Abraham's mind? And we don't have record of this prayer, of this struggle that Abraham made. It may very well be that there was not much of a struggle at all. Because in verse 3 it says, Abraham got up early in the morning. It's used in Scripture often by, by, by the writers of Scripture to, to, to indicate a person is actively ready to go do something. You know how you're getting ready, you're excited to go on a trip, and you spring out of bed, you can hardly wait? It's different than Monday morning, right? You know there's two kinds of people. There's springers and crawlers. 
when the, when the alarm goes off, some people just crawl out of bed. And then there's others, they just spring, to, and usually springers marry crawlers. Have you noticed that? <laughs> Abram was a springer. He was ready to go do what God wanted. This crisis of belief led him to say, God, I'm available. And that leads me to number four. God's tests will require us to trust him completely. Completely. Not just trusting God that he's going to direct, not just trusting God he's going to provide some wood for the, the sacrifice, not just trusting God that he's going to provide the fire for it, but trusting God completely with everything. Look at verse 3. So Abraham got up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. At this point, Isaac is probably an adolescent, a teenager. He's able to, to carry this wood. The Bible says he, he split the wood for the burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Boy, those, those numbers in Scripture are so significant. Three days here. So important about the three days. He sees the place. Verse 5, Abraham said to his young men, the servants that are with him, stay here with the donkey. This is a significant phrase in this passage. Don't miss this. The boy and I, his son Isaac, the boy and I will go over there to worship. He, he understood that this act of going up to Mount Moriah, this act of, of going in and offering this burnt offering was an act of worship. Worship often involves sacrifice. Stay here. The boy and I will go over there and worship. Then we'll come back to you. Did you see that? Then we will come back to you. Can I add a little there? Abraham says, the boy and I will go up to worship, then the boy and I will come back. That's faith. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. He was able to carry it. In his hand, he took the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together. And Isaac spoke to his father, Abraham, and said, my father? And he replied, here I am, my son. He's listening, isn't he? And Isaac said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on, walked on together. See, when God tests us, when he brings us to that crisis of acknowledging it's him, that's where we show him we're going to trust him completely. I trust you, Lord. I don't understand it. I trust you. Abraham's faith understood that God would take care of it. God would be the one who would provide. God will provide the lamb, the sacrifice. I don't know how much Abraham understood, but he knew that God was going to take care of it. Now, if I was Abraham, I would be trying to figure it all out. I would have a plan. I would have a plan B and a plan C. I would have all these steps along the way where I could kind of, okay, God, are you sure about this one? I would, I would have done it differently, but Abraham just walked on. And I love, here's a whole other sermon, we're not going there, but what about Isaac? What about Isaac? Some have taught that he's a little boy and Abraham forcefully ties him. He's a, he's a young man, a teenager. He just lays down and lets his dad bind him because that's traditionally what you did with a burnt offering. Faith, trust. By the way, I believe, well, I said I wasn't going to preach that sermon, but here it is. <laughs> Isaac 
obeyed his father because he knew his father loved him. That, that love of our father in heaven makes obedience a joy. It should. Abraham's love for Isaac, he knew he could trust his father. God's tests will cause us to have to trust him completely. Jill Briscoe tells a story about her husband, Stuart, and their little boy, David. His little boy, they told him going into the weekend, they said, David, you're not going to go to school Monday because we got, we've got something scheduled. We're going to take you for an x-ray. That's Friday. So Saturday came, Sunday came. Monday morning, she says, David got in the car with his dad and he said he was as white as a sheet. His eyes were just, he just looked like he had fear on his face. And his dad says, David, is everything okay? He said, yes, dad, but I, I just got to let you know, I, I, I know what an execution is. And I'm ready. He misunderstood. Here's what Jill says. The amazing thing is that he showed up and got in the car. You know why he got in the car? Because he knew his dad loved him. He knew his dad had it figured out. I'm going to one of those X things. And I don't understand it, but I think it's an execution. But I'm, my dad says we need to go, so I'm going to go because my dad says it's okay. Boy, could we have that kind of heart? God, I don't understand it. You want me to go where and do what? You want me to go to Nepal? You want me to go there? You want me to go next door? You want me to do that? And God just says, trust me. Number five, God's tests may require us to make major adjustments in our lives to follow him. Those tests that God brings our way may cause us to have to make major adjustments in my life so that I can follow him. You might want to circle major. Uh, can we sign up for the Christian life? I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give up uh, an hour and a half on Sunday morning. I'm going to give up the way I talk at work. I'm going to give up that habit. I'm going to give that up. That's, those are minor adjustments, folks. A major adjustment, a major adjustment says, God, I'm all in. You've got me. My life, my all. Abraham adjusted his life. Look at verse 9. When they arrived at the place that God told them about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood, and he bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. Abraham would love to have made this come about his way, but he willingly says, God, I'll obey you. I don't get it. I don't understand it. And he begins the process of sacrificing, offering his son as a burnt offering. Major adjustments. What major adjustment is God calling you to make? It wouldn't be anything like this, would it? To take something completely out of the of human understanding in the ordinary and say, God, I'm going to trust you with it. What's God calling you to, to do? What adjustment is he calling you to make? I've shared a bunch through this series of my own personal story, my call to ministry and what God's done in my life. But I, I can remember as God was calling me to, in to, to give my life in the ministry, I, my biggest, well, I had a bunch of reservations. <laughs> Sorry to say my biggest. One of them was I, I would have to go back to school 
if I wanted to be a pastor, and I did not want to go back to school. I am not a student. I had dropped out of college after three semesters. I think I might, might have had four credit hours after three semesters. Listen, when I signed up, every, every semester, I found out the very first thing, what's the last day I can drop a course and get an automatic W and not have to get an F? I put that on my calendar every, every semester. I knew, and that's what I did. I'd get all the way and drop, drop, drop. And so when God says, Kevin, I want you to go into the ministry and be a pastor, and to do that, you're going to have to go to school. And I'm thinking, oh, no. Really? Oh, I fought that. I'm calculating in my brain, I'm 20-something years old, and if I go back to college, I got three years if I'm good, maybe four, and then I'd go four years of seminary, and I'd, I'm thinking, I'll be an old man by the time I get out of school. <laughs> I was 30 by the time I got through. And I'm processing all that in my mind. And God just impressed on my heart, that's an adjustment you need to make, Kevin. And when I walked that aisle that Sunday night and said, God has called me, no doubt in my mind, I laid that down. I said, I'll make that adjustment in my life. Little did I know the other adjustments he'd have me make over the years, right? Number six, I saved the best for last, all right? This is the icing on the cake. This is the cherry on top of the sundae. This is it. We come to know God by experience. As we obey him, important, as we obey him and he accomplishes his will through us. We come to know God by experience as we obey him and he accomplishes his will through us. Abraham came to an intimate knowledge of God as provider through this experience. Look with me at verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called from heaven, to call to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he replied, here I am. Now, if ever you're gonna be listening for the voice of God to intervene, it's gonna be at that moment, right? I, I can imagine that Abraham's ears were as attuned as they could be as he unsheaths that, that sword, that, that knife, and as he raises his hand. I, I bet he's thinking, okay, God, don't let me miss this one. And I'm not even sure, as I would think the way it would be with me, he could barely get Abraham out of his mouth. Here I am. I wouldn't have to get the first syllable out. Here I am. And he, he's listening. Here I am, verse, verse 11. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. This has to be the biggest sigh of relief in the Old Testament. Don't harm him. Lord, I knew you'd come through, but man, talk about waiting to the last minute. Talk about waiting to the last minute. For now I know that you fear God. And by the way, that word fear means not you're afraid of God, but, but you, you're in awe of him. When you see the word fear in the Bible, 90% of the time that's what it's speaking of. It's, it's not speaking of, oh no, God's gonna get me. It's, it's, a, it's an awe. I'm in awe of him. Like we've been worshiping this morning. That's what he says. So in essence, he's saying, now that I know that you're in awe of me, since you have not withheld your only son from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Folks, that is substitutionary atonement. That is, the, that is God substituting this ram, this lamb, for his son Isaac. It's a picture of the cross. It's a picture of what Jesus did. 
We're the ones that should have died on the altar, but God says, I'll send my son and he will be the sacrifice. This ram is a picture of that. And then verse 14, Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So it is today. It will be provided on the Lord's mountain. God, Abraham came to know God by experience as he accomplished his will through him. Just skip down with me to verse 18. All the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you've obeyed my command. That goes all the way back to his call. But look at verse 19. Abraham went back to his young men, and they got up and went together to Beersheba. Abraham is able to say to his servants, God came through. He's faithful. He's faithful. We've talked about this. Some of us have come to know God as our comfort, as our shelter, as our protector. Here Abraham comes to know him as his provider you come to know God by experience when he shows up and as my wife says shows off that's her prayer all the time God I want you to show up and show off and she's just saying God I want you to just do what only you can do and show yourself to be faithful Stephen Curtis Chapman was one of the most popular um, contemporary Christian artists when I was a new believer growing and he wrote a lot of great songs and in 2008, there was a tragedy in his family. His uh, five-year-old adopted daughter was out playing in the driveway, and his teenage son backed their, their uh, suburban, their vehicle, and, and ran over their adopted daughter, and it killed her. And it broke the family. They were broken. It's a long story, but he continued to go back and share his ministry of concerts, and his testimony is, I, I went back and looked at all the songs that I had written about trusting God, about God is good, about God is faithful, about how blessed I am. And I had to reevaluate, do I really believe that stuff? He said often his, his concerts were just really him crying out to God. And he took one song, there's a song called Yours, and he wrote some new words after the death of his daughter. And I just want to read those words to you. I've walked the valley of death's shadow. And he had. So deep and dark that I could barely breathe. I've had to let go of more than I could bear. And I've questioned everything that I believe. Still, even here in this great darkness, a comfort and a hope comes breaking through. As I can say in life or in death, Lord, we belong to you. Folks, we're his. We're to be all in, and we come to know that as he works through us. Let's pray.